what we're going to be talking about this, this summer are some of the life hacks that we get right from the Scripture. Um, we're going to focus on, on the gospel of Jesus Christ who teaches us how to live this life and live it abundantly until we actually enter into eternal life. And so that's what we're talking about. That's where we're going. And so you don't want to miss any, any services this summer. Uh, next week, what we're going to be talking about is how to forgive yourself. But today we're talking about how to be happy. Now, in case you don't know what happiness is, uh, happiness is a mental or emotional state of well-being defined by positive or pleasant emotions ranging from contentment to intense joy. That comes right out of the dictionary, so therefore it must be right. We are, we are a people, as Christians, who are supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be a people who are known by our happiness. And a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people don't understand that. Uh, There's a lot of people who go to church every Sunday that rarely wear a smile. They look like they've been baptized in vinegar. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you grew up in a church like that and you felt, you know, you maybe didn't feel really terribly attracted to to church or going to church because of people there. You felt were judgmental or condemning. I don't know. I don't know what your experience has been. But one of the things that we try to do here across church is we try to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and try to, to, to live that life or walk, those, walk in those footsteps after Christ that lead us into the happiness that God wants us to enjoy. Now, a lot of people don't realize that about Christianity. A lot of people think that Christianity is all about, you know, you, you sort of you become a Christian and then God becomes this massive killjoy. He takes away all your happiness and then the rest of your life you have to you walk around with a frown or be pious somehow and never smile and never be happy. I remember a missionary couple I knew, his, his wife got very angry at him because he used to like to joke around and tell jokes, and she was constantly nattering at him and telling him to stop being so silly and stop laughing so much because it was not appropriate for a minister of God. I want you to know what is appropriate for a minister of God is, yes, to be serious when it's time to be serious, but to always be joyful and, if possible, even to have a smile on your face. So the question that I have for you today is this. Are, are you one of those Christians that's been baptized in, in vinegar, or are you one of those Christians that's truly happy because you know that Jesus Christ has saved you, that, that you've been set free from your sin, and that you have got the Spirit of God working in you? What kind of a Christian are you today? Look at the person beside you. You'll see real quick whether, what kind of a Christian. Are they smiling at you? Are they, are they frowning at you? Yeah, so you don't know what they're doing. Some are just are looking at you with a puzzled look on their face. But here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. Jesus has called us to be happy. This is what it means to be a Christian. Did you know that the United Nations declared March 20th the International Day of Happiness? Did anybody know that? We passed and we, we missed it. But the United Nations declares March 20th the International Day of Happiness to recognize the relevance of happiness and well-being as universal goals. So they recognize that, that, that the world is full of people that want to be happy. And I, I think most of us could understand that. Most of us could agree, yeah, that, that sounds about right. They, uh, what they did is they tried to, to survey the, the nations of the world to find out which country is the happiest. 
And uh, so I, I've got some of the results from that survey. And the world's happiest countries out of 85 countries, here it is, there's more than 85 countries, but here's the 85 that reported. The very happiest place to live in the world is Switzerland in first place. The second place, which really surprised me, is Iceland, of all places. Uh, who would believe that you could be happy in a land named after ice? Uh, the third happiest country in the world is Denmark. The fourth is Norway. And guess who's in fifth position? Canada. That's right. Canada is in that fifth position of happiness. Israel is in 11th place. And here's the one that really astounded me. The country that proclaims that their sort of their great goal and ambition as a collectively as a nation is to be happy uh, is America. They are in 17th place. Unbelievable. And, uh, and, and, and for the sake of my nephew, uh, who was born in Portugal, uh, Portugal, Portugal comes in last place, 85th of happiness. Uh, very sad. But what makes people happy? And, and how do we determine what will make people happy? Well, I want us to look at what the Scripture says, because the Bible tells Christians that we indeed must be happy. And the good news is this, is that Jesus tells us how to be happy. So let's first of all look at um, this mark of a believer. And, and the mark of the believer, of course, is, is happiness. So in 2014, uh, they did a, a survey of 320 children ages 8 to 12 in both the public and private schools. And they were given what they called a spiritual well-being questionnaire. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to assess the link between spirituality and happiness. Now, we're talking about spirituality and not just sort of religious practices or religious rituals, sort of like liturgy, that sort of thing. They're saying it's got to be, we're not talking about just going through the religious rituals, you know, you recite those prayers that you know by rote, uh, that you, you know, just going through the religious uh, manners and, and, and customs, but that you really have a profound relationship or connection to God. That's what they're looking for. And so they did this, they did this survey, and they discovered the more spiritual the child was, the happier the child was. Did you get that? The more spiritual that child is, the, the happier that child is. Spirituality counted, accounted for a whopping 25% of the variance in happiness. And so we recognize that there is something profoundly special about having a relationship with God. We recognize in the New Testament and in the Old Testament that happiness is not just recommended, it's not just an option offered, but it is actually commanded. And so we find the Apostle Paul, for instance, telling the believers in the city of Philippi, Philippians 4, 4, and some of you may have memorized it, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying to all believers, always not sometimes, there's no footnote that that's, talks about conditions here. He's saying, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. This is the mark of the believer. Now, in case some of you think, oh yeah, well, that's in the New Testament, and, and uh, you know, thank God for the New Testament, because in the Old Testament, everybody walked around unhappy. Well, that's not true. Because what we discover in the Old Testament is very much instruction or guidance to be 
be happy. Listen to this, uh, Psalm 100, and it begins, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Do you get that? We're talking about full engagement, a full realization, a full understanding of our relationship to God and his relationship to us. And the, apostle, uh, or the, the writer of the, of the Psalms, he's saying this. He says, based on who God is and based on our relationship to him, it should cause us to shout with joy to the Lord. And then he says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before the Lord singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Listen to this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. So you quickly get the picture, don't you, that this faith of ours is very much a faith that concentrates or focuses on what's going on in our hearts. We need to be a joyful people. And I will say this to you today, that if you and I understand who God is and what God has done for us on our relationship to him, then we should very much be a happy and cheerful people. We should very much be a people who walk around with a smile on our face. That's who we should be. Now, The 19th century rabbi Nachman of Breslov, here's what he says. He says, happiness in Judaism is considered an important element in the service of God. He's saying that if you're going to be a follower of God, and if you're going to serve God, then happiness is a critical element to that. In other words, you can't really serve God if you're not happy. Listen to this. He says, it is a great mitzvah or a great commandment to always be in a state of happiness. When a person is happy, they are much more capable of serving God and going about their daily activities than when depressed or upset. Isn't that interesting? That sounds like very extreme teaching. And yet this is very much a part of the Jewish understanding of the, of the, the, the Jewish psyche the, and, and the Jewish disposition. We need to be happy, a, a, a cheerful people. We need to be a people who go around with a smile on our face because it's the best way for us to serve God. So my question this morning is this. Why aren't you happy? Because I know that some of you today are here and you've had maybe a, a difficult morning, maybe had a difficult week, a difficult month. Maybe for you, 2015 has been a very difficult year. The question is this, why are you not happy? Well, here's, uh, here's what, we can, what we can, when we start to break it down, when we look at this closely, here's what we can discover. First of all, we are often unhappy if we are discontent. In other words, we're not satisfied with what we have in life. We're not satisfied with who we have in life. We don't, we're not happy with our kids. We're not happy with our wife. We're not happy with our husband. We're not happy with our neighbors. We're not happy with our boss, the people we work with. So we find ourselves that we're not happy with who and what we have. And so we have a discontentment. Or we find ourselves fearful. And if you're fearful, of course, you can't be happy. What's, what's going on here? Well, we're not happy with God's care for us. We feel that God's not doing his job, that God's not doing what he's supposed to do, what he promised to do, and so we feel fearful. We're afraid. We, we don't trust God. 
Or maybe you feel angry today. You're not happy because life is out of your control. You forgot who God was. You forgot that God is supposed to be the one in control. And because you're out of control, you're angry and therefore not happy. Or maybe you're holding a grudge. You're not happy with certain people in your life. You're not happy because someone has let you down. And so you're walking around with this massive grudge, and therefore you find yourself unhappy. Now, I want to just say this, because these are, these are common emotions and common feelings that all of us have. We, we're, we, universally, wherever you go, you're going to find this amongst all human beings. And Jesus understands that. And for this reason, he teaches us what we need to do in order to overcome our discontentment, our anger, our fear, our grudges, etc. Here's what you'll discover, folks, when you begin to really look at your own heart, begin to ask yourself the question, well, why aren't I happy? What's wrong with me? Why am I walking around with a frown all the time? For some of us, we're so used to not being happy that we actually have permanent frown lines on our face. Some of us need to go in for some Botox and get that sorted out. Some of us say, well, Pastor, I am happy. Well, you know, then you have to let your face know about it because you don't look that way. You know what I'm saying? People who hear us talk about our faith in God, people who hear us say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I follow God, they look at us and they shake our head and think, man, what a hypocrite. Yeah, you know that. Because they look at you and they say, man, the... The, what he's professing, what he says he believes, she's not living it. He's not living it. They're the most unhappy, uncheerful, saddest people I've ever met. So do you understand that as a believer who's supposed to reflect Jesus Christ, maybe the greatest testimony that you will ever give to a broken and hurting world is that there is, in fact, happiness and joy in Jesus Christ? Your whole testimony now becomes suspect. Your whole testimony is questionable if you can't convey happiness to the people in your life. You want your kids to serve God, but yet you're the most unhappy person around. Do you really think they want your religion? You're trying to share your faith with the people you work with, but you're the most unhappy person at work. You're miserable. You're complaining. Do you really think that people that you work with want what you've got? No. So here's the problem. At the center, the core of our unhappiness, you will discover that you have been living your life in sole reference to yourself, you are at the center of your universe. You are at the core of your focus. You you want to be happy, and you've set as your goal happiness. You've set as your desire, as your longing to be truly content in this life. But what you've done is you've, you've tried to find happiness in the wrong place. Happiness will never come to you as long as you're trying to please yourself. That's why you're not happy today. Because you've been trying to find happiness by trying to take care of number one. You've been trying to put yourself first. 
everything that we read in the New Testament, everything that Jesus teaches us, teaches us that it's, it's, it doesn't work like that. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning. So we're supposed to be happy. We know that. The Bible says that. And Jesus tells us how to be happy. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes on the, on the, on the scene in, in Jerusalem. He's been, he's been baptized. He's been tempted. He's gathered around him some disciples. He started his preaching. And now the Bible says that he is about to proclaim to everybody what his, what his, what he's all about. He's about to tell everybody what his teaching's about. He's about to give what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you may have heard it. We find that in Matthew chapter 5. Now, Jesus is probably surrounded with maybe five to 10,000, maybe more people. They've gathered around him to hear his message. If you, had a, for the first time, you're about to present your teaching, what would, what would you begin with? What would be the thing that you would speak about in order to capture the attention of these five to maybe 15,000 people? How would you hook them, as it were? How would you get their attention? Well, it turns out that the needs of people 2,000 years ago are very similar to our needs today. And so we find in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus addresses what every single person wants to know. This is how he defines his teaching, how he defines his ministry. He answers the question that we all want to know, and that is this, how can I be happy? And so what he does is he lists what we now call the Beatitudes, or I think Robert Schuller called them the Be Happy Attitudes. You can call them whatever you want. But what it is, very simply, is his instruction from Christ about how to be happy. And by the way, now this is really critical to understand this is that these, these beatitudes or these instructions on how to be happy, this encapsulates all of Jesus' teaching. All of Jesus' teaching shows us or teaches us how to be happy. Now, that's interesting because most people don't, don't think about Jesus' teaching in that way. But that's exactly what God wants us to know. He wants us to know how we can be happy in this life. And so let's just take a look at these. If you have your Bible, you can turn there to Matthew chapter 5, looking at verses 3 to 10. And here's what it says. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, if you look at this in the Greek, the word we sometimes translate as blessed, the actual word in Greek is happy. I don't know why why the translators just didn't use that word happy, but that's exactly what it says. Happy are those who are poor and realize their need for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So here's Jesus beginning his ministry, defining all of his teaching by these first words. God blesses or makes happy those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God makes happy those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God makes happy those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God makes happy those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God makes happy those whose hearts are pure, 
for they will see God. God makes happy those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God makes happy those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, what is the common denominator here? What's the common thread here? What is the thread that ties all this together? Well, folks, it can be summed up very simply. And it's this. The only way that you will truly be happy is if you are dead to yourself. That's where happiness comes from. Now, that maybe comes as a shock to you today. But I can tell you this right now, that unless you are dead to yourself, there can be no happiness or no real lasting happiness in your life. If you Google how to be happy, you will come up with a, all manner of websites and give lists and lists and lists of things that you need to do in order to be happy. 12 ways for you to be happy, 12 things, 15 things that you need to do, 100 ways that you can find happiness. And God, through Jesus Christ, gives us one way to find happiness, and that is to be dead to yourself. We sometimes call it being humble. If you look at these Beatitudes, you'll discover at the core of it all is a humble heart or a servant's heart. This past week, just before, well, as Matt and John, John Romani and Matt Button were getting ready to go up north to, to Garden Hill, we were standing in the hallway and just chatting, and suddenly John, and if you know John Romani, he's got a million questions for you at all times, and he says to him, Pastor Allen, as we get ready, and he's waxing eloquent, he says, Pastor Allen, can you just give me, just give me, just one word or, or just give me one simple instruction that I can take with me in order to make this the best missions trip of my life. And Matt's butt buttons listening is ready for the answer. They're ready to take notes. I said, John, I can answer that very, very easily. When you go on your missions trip, what you need to do is you need to go to serve. You need to serve absolutely everybody that you meet, looking for ways that you can help them and bless them and put them first. He goes, oh yeah, Pastor Allen, I'm ready to do that. But I said, it's not just the people you're going to see in Garden Hill. You have to do that with everybody on your missions team. And then John and Matt kind of looked at each other. And I said, and that means that you two have got to serve each other. In fact, John, if you're going to have any fights on this trip, here's what your fight's going to be about. It's going to be over who gets to serve whom. That's where your happiness comes from. That's your life hack. If you're not happy today, folks, this is an indicator of a spiritual problem that needs to be addressed. If you're not happy, if you haven't got a smile on your face, if you're not joyful, then this is a way for God to say to you, hey, what's happening in your heart? What's happening in your mind and your spirit? There's something that you need to get sorted out. There's something that you need to figure out and get right. Matt Button said, when we went to Costa Rica, we learned Romans 12.10. And it was actually the scripture verse that I recommended to 
the kids that I took on a missions trip when I was a youth pastor back in 1986. And we, re- we all learned and recited every day, Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. What is it about, folks? It's all about dying to yourself and living for other people, putting other people first. And then Matt even recited it in Spanish. And I said, Matt, it doesn't matter how many languages you can recite that verse in. What matters is actually doing it. And this is the problem with so many of us in our walk with God. We know the information. In fact, for some of us, we can quote great passages of the, of the Scripture. But the question that Jesus has for us is this. What are you doing with that information? Are you actually living it out? And so if you're going to be happy, then it's going to actually have to flow from humbly serving God and others, dying to yourself. I was thinking about my own life and my own marriage, my own ministry, and asking myself the question, what has made me happy in this life? What are my happiest moments? And of course, I I knew instantly that my first and greatest and happiest moment was that day when I died to myself by surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. I became a Christian. I knew a happiness that I can still remember. It happened over 40 years ago, and I can still remember like it happened yesterday. I remember that when I gave my heart to Christ, it was like I was floating. It's like a massive weight lifted from my shoulders that felt like I could fly. That's the kind of happiness I had. Why? Because I died to myself, and I was willing to put... I was willing to surrender my life to Christ. It was my next thrilling moment. It was that day when I was filled with the Holy Spirit at camp as a boy. So excited. I just wanted, to, I just wanted more of God. In fact, that's what, that's what it says right there in the Beatitudes. Happier are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And that's what I did. I was hungry and I was thirsting after God and God met that need. Surrendering my life to God, dying to myself. Then I thought, what else, what else brought happiness to me? Well, some of my earliest recollections, it's still in, in grade school, I think grade five, led my first friend to Christ. So excited about bringing him to church and telling him about Jesus and seeing his life transformed. And then I got, I got hooked on that, and I had to start bringing other people to, to Christ. And I was, actually, I was living for other people, putting other people first, and I didn't care what anybody was saying about me. And some people laughed at me, some people called me names. I didn't care. I was having the time of my life. What was I doing? I wasn't living for myself. I was living for others, dying to myself. When I went into full-time ministry, remember the... The night in Brandon, Manitoba, I made my vows before God and the people gathered there and my family. Actually, Doris Weeb was at that. She remembers it well. In fact, we were just talking about this the other day. She said, I remember the vows, Alan, that you made, and I could not believe how on earth you could ever do all that you were vowing. And basically, as a, as a man making vows before God to be a pastor, an ordained minister, what I was saying is I'm going to serve God and I'm going to serve all the people that God brings into my life. I'm going to tell you, I was so excited, so thrilled to be able to give my life to God and to serve him. And you want to know something that brings me great joy today? It's coming to work every day. 
Oh, there's some days that are difficult, but my great joy, my great desire is to come and to serve. And I have people say, Pastor Allen, I was in trouble, but I know you're busy and I didn't want to call you. What you don't know, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but what you don't know is that the greatest joy that I have is serving you. That's what I want to do. It's my passion. It's what brings me happiness. My friend, Leonard McGale, just recently moved into Calvary Place and get a phone call a couple times a day, and he always says, I'm sorry for calling. And I say, Leonard, don't ever apologize. It's my joy, my joy to, to hear from you. Gloria was, t- I was talking to Gloria the other day. She was saying the thing that brought her great joy, the greatest joy in her life, was when she was a mother and had little kids. I said, like when they were little? That's when you had great joy? She said, yes, because that's when I could serve my kids the most. I said, you mean dirty diapers? Yep. Diarrhea? Yep. Feeding them, nursing, getting up in the middle of the night, colicky, crying? Yep, it's my greatest joy. Folks, what you don't know is this, is that the world has tried to convince us, has tried to, to sell us a bill of goods. It says that when you live for yourself and put yourself first, that's when you're going to be happiness. But Jesus tells us it's quite contrary. The thing that's going to bring you the greatest joy in your life is dying to yourself and putting others first. That's where happiness comes from. I was thinking of Jesse. When Jesse was born, held him in my arms. I imagined that he looked just like me. He didn't, but... I looked into his eyes, and I, I talked to him. And I said, Jesse, I'm going to be serving you for the rest of my life. And I prayed. I remember very, very clearly in that hospital in Panorama overlooking Thessaloniki in Greece. I remember holding in my arms and praying and saying, God, help me to serve this boy and to be the best father that I can be. And nothing, folks, nothing has brought so much joy to my heart than realizing that it was in my power to serve my son. Ah, I'm happy about Nicholas and Sarah too, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but Jesse was the first. The thing that's going to bring you happiness is never living for yourself, it's always living for others. And this, folks, is at the core of the gospel. This is at the core of Christian living. Jesus wants you to be happy. And that's why he begins his ministry by telling us how to be happy. And he says this, happiness flows when you die to yourself. In fact, he says, it's impossible to be my disciple unless you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's what Jesus says. It's death to yourself. It's putting yourself last. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'll admit this. This is counterintuitive. It doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't add up in our brains. You would think that the thing that would make us happiest is by serving ourselves. But Jesus comes along telling us the truth. And remember, it's this truth that sets you free. 
You want to get a smile on your face? You want to smile and be happy again? Think of somebody that you can serve. And if I were you, I'd begin with the people immediately around you. Serve your spouse. No way, I'm, I'm tired of serving him. I'm tired of picking up his socks. I'm tired of picking up his underwear. It's time for him to do it himself. And he says, I'm tired of taking out the garbage. I'm tired of filling out the, the car after she uses it and doesn't fill, put gas. And on and on it goes. And we've got all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't die to ourselves and why we should put ourselves first. And Jesus says, look, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Start serving others. Live for others and be happy. It's done. Father, thank you for your presence here today. And thank you, Lord, for the teaching from your word that teaches us how to be happy. God, we want to confess to you today just how awfully self-centered we can be. How often we put ourselves first. How often we think of our own wishes, our own wants, our own feelings, and we, we find ourselves very unhappy, very unhappy indeed. So God, we want to have that happiness that your, your word tells us about. We want to have the happiness that Jesus tells us about in Matthew chapter 5. God, give us the grace and the strength today to be completely dead to ourselves. God, so that our hearts and our minds and our spirits may be filled with the joy, the joy unspeakable. God, we want to be like the psalmist who shouts for joy because he understands that God is sufficient. God has given him all that he needs. God, we pray today that you'd forgive us for holding that grudge. Forgive us for being fearful, Lord. Forgive us for being angry. Forgive us for being discontent. And God, we pray now that we begin to live not in reference to ourselves, but always in reference to you and to everyone else. Because that's where our happiness and our joy comes from. And we pray that for Christ's sake. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, don't worry, be happy.